I want to say welcome to all of our friends in Zambia, our friends in Mongolia, our friends in India, our friends in all the nations of the world, Cambodia, where we've got a great team, uh, and all of our folks that listen online and that live stream, uh, some that are healing and mending right now. We love you. We bless you guys, and uh, we look forward to seeing you all in the very near future here. I want you to get your Bibles open. We're going to wrap up the series on Swag Life uh, in Hebrews chapter 10 this morning. Hebrews chapter 10. And uh, I want to begin in verse 19. We're going to cover some good ground, but I'm going to go through most of it very quickly, and then I'm going to drill down at the very end of this passage because that's the word that I feel like God wants me to leave you with. I saw a great post this week on Facebook. Some of you might have seen it. I reposted it. It said this, Sometimes God will put a Goliath in your life to find the David within you. Isn't that good? If, if you all missed last week, that was pretty much in one sentence what the message I was trying to get across, is that God allows challenges in our lives not to destroy us or to defeat us, but to reveal the greatness of his life and his power and his faith that lives in our hearts so that we can do great things and become uh, kingdom giant killers like David was. Anybody want to be a giant killer in this place? Come on. You know, God's caught. We can't, you can't kill giants if you never see one. And, uh, and that's the difference between Saul's leadership and David's leadership. Saul never killed giants. He ran from them. But David killed giants. And guess what? His sons were also giant killers. We want to learn to be giant killers as we follow King Jesus. So I want you to follow with me here in uh, Hebrews chapter 10, beginning in verse 19. It says, And so, dear brothers and sisters, we can boldly enter. Everybody say boldly enter. That's talking about divine access. We can boldly enter heaven's most holy place because of the blood of Jesus. By his death, Jesus opened a new and life-giving way through the curtain that was his body, the curtain into the most holy place. His body was rent in two on the cross. He shed his blood, beaten beyond recognition for us. But at the very moment that that was taking place, the Bible says that the curtain separating the most holy place from the worshipers in the outer court, that curtain was ripped in two, and on that Sunday, everybody that was there for worship got an eyeful because they witnessed something that they had never had the privilege of witnessing in the history of history, uh, and that is the most holy place. How many of you know by the blood of Jesus Christ that place has been rented to, and God says you all come, and every one of you who are lovers of Christ have direct access into the immediate presence of God And he says, come boldly. Why do you come boldly? Because of the blood of Jesus. And look at what it says here. Let us go into his presence, the presence of God, with sincere hearts, fully trusting him. Why can we go with sincere hearts and full trust? Because our guilty consciences have been sprinkled with Christ's blood to make us clean, and our bodies have been washed with pure water. How many of you realize that the greatest privilege we could be given is a relationship with God, direct access into his presence, and that we can come any time of the day or night? You know, I got to share with you, sometimes we get frustrated with people because how many of you know we text people, we call people, and sometimes we're like, how come they didn't call me back? How come they didn't respond to my text? Anybody ever been like that? Okay, cut each other some slack. You know, sometimes people got stuff going on, cut each other some slack. But guess who you can get immediate attention from at any time of the day or night with zero response time? God. So here's my encouragement to us. Sometimes instead of freaking out or calling her, "Ah!" let's run into the presence of God. Let's start with him. Let's lay our heart before him. 
We don't have guilty consciences anymore. All of the shame from the past covered by the blood of Jesus. How many of you know this is an incredible gift? You can come into God's presence looking face to face. Let me just say, I just saw Shade over there and our wonderful, hi Shade, good to see you and Drew and all that. We just had the most amazing homeschool uh, semester and you guys did a phenomenal job and the team and Angie and everybody else. Like, I, I, and, and it was awesome, 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 awesome. And uh, I just wanted to pause right here, right here in the middle and say great job to everybody that's a part of that. And we have a new semester starting, so make sure if you have children and you're at all interested in that, go out and uh, talk to somebody, but great job. Okay, comma, back to Hebrews chapter 10. All right, I just had to do that. Boldness through the blood of Jesus, clean conscience, this is good. Our approach, sincere hearts, fully trusting him. Look at verse 23, moving on quickly. Let us hold tightly. Everybody say tightly. Without wavering to the hope that we affirm. Why do we hold on tightly without wavering to hope? For God can be trusted to keep his promise. Notice there's three let us's. Let us hold tightly to hope. The second let us, let us think of ways to motivate one another to acts of love and good deeds. And here's the third let us. Let us not neglect our meeting together as some people do, but encourage one another, especially now that the day of his return is drawing near. I want you to see this. God tells us to hold on tightly to something, and that something is called hope. How many of you know if the devil can rob us of our hope, we start to hang our heads. We start to feel sorry for ourselves. We start to come under a cloud of depression or discouragement, and you lose your joy and you lose your swagger. And I told you, swagger is important. Let me backtrack. Why is swagger important? Because swagger is simply carrying ourselves in a way that says God is faithful, God is true, God's promises are true, I belong to the Lord, I'm with him, God is for me and not against me, and it doesn't matter what I am going through right now, God is bigger than this situation, and he's not going to allow it to crush me, he's going to allow it to train me so that I'm stronger, better, smarter, more stable, more secure, more joy-filled, and that I have an intimate relationship with him that's growing experientially all the days of my life. How many of you know swagger is important? We should not carry ourselves in a way that is unbefitting uh, to the, our great king. And I'm not condemning anybody today because we all struggle with this. We've all had our moments where we just get, get our brains beat out by the enemy. We've all dealt with discouragement. We've all dealt with despair. We've all felt overmatched for the situation. Okay, that just means you're human. But how I many of you know we're not going to stay there? We're not going to stay there. Swagger is another word for faith, and God says he's a rewarder of those who put their faith and confidence in him. So if you want to please God, the Bible says you move in faith. How many of you want to please God, and how many of you want the reward of God on your life? So my point is this is huge. This is not negotiable. This is not just a nice little sermon series. This is about life, and you have got to hold tightly to hope because, you know, some of you will go home and watch football today, and I, I told my son, you got to work on those biceps if you're going to carry the ball. Come on, I should get an amen from some bicep guys. In it. You know, Arnold Schwarzenegger and I have a lot in common. I can identify with that guy. I, I understand. Why are you guys laughing at me? Anyway, forget that. Because when you're running with the football, there will be 300-pound men with biceps bigger than yours trying to rip the ball out of your hands. They're not just tackling you. 
Many times they're holding you up while everybody else assaults this football that you're holding on to because the football is precious. Imagine that the football is called hope. There are 300-pound gorilla linemen out there who hate you and are trying to rip hope out of your arms. you got to hold on to this thing, but let me tell you this. You can't hold on by yourself, which is why we can go back to that verse, Megan. That verse says we need to let us, not me, us together work on a couple things. We need to let us work on love and encouragement. Don't stop loving and encouraging one another. Can I just share with you, you know, the holidays bring up a lot of emotions and a lot of pain and a lot of disappointment in in people's lives. Some of you are going through serious stuff right now. Um, You know, that doesn't stop, unfortunately, for the holidays. But I'll tell you what you need to major on. You need to major on finding people that need a word of encouragement and need to learn how to give it. This is why, you know, I encourage you on our nice little message we sent out, get to church early. Pastor, why do I need to get to church early? So you can do your ministry. No, I had coffee on the way. No, that's not your ministry. (laughs) That's not your ministry, but you can get some coffee. But what if I got here early and I went up to Kenny and I said, hey, I just want to tell you what a blessing you've been in my life. You're such a source of encouragement. So glad God brought you to our church family. And I'm looking forward to doing life together in 2019. I mean, you know, that's not all that sophisticated. But when you say it and you mean it and you encourage somebody, it, it causes them to get grabbed tighter to hope. And when someone, you do this on a regular basis and you go up to people that you don't know. You say, Pastor, I'm an introvert. No, you were an introvert. Then you got saved. Now Jesus is living inside of you. He ain't an introvert. Aren't you glad Jesus isn't an introvert? Hey, uh, son, I'd like you to go die for the sins of the world. I'm sorry, Father, I'm an introvert. You know, it doesn't work that way. Um, So when Jesus lives inside of you, (laughs) that was a good one. Go on, Joe. Encourage me. (laughs) Whenever you find anybody laughing at your jokes, that's a good thing. Give me five again. I'm feeling it. All right, that's what I'm talking about. I can move on with the message now. I'm encouraged. He laughed at my joke. Listen to me. We've got to come early because we want to love on people. That's why I say, Pastor, you know, how come you always tell us to shake a hand, hug a neck, talk to somebody? Because we're doing ministry. What a terrible thing to come to a church service and sit down and nobody talks to each other and just, what are you being? Reverent. Are you kidding me? Like God likes that. Are you kidding me? Talk to somebody. Encourage somebody. Love on somebody. Because you don't know if the somebody you're talking to, that, that, that hope is starting to slip out of their hands. Now let me tell you something else you got to do if you're going to walk with swagger and be confident to the end. It says here, stop, look at this, um, let us not neglect our meeting together as some people do, but encourage one another daily. Why? Because Christ's return is drawing near. Now can I just share something with you? If you don't get connected with other people, you'll never know what needs they have. And if you don't know what needs they have, you won't be able to relate to the pain in their life. And if you can't relate to the pain in their life, you're going to be very surfacey. And the Bible says earlier in, in Hebrews that some people have grown dull and insensitive, their faith is boring, and they've even quit. And here's why, because they stopped loving one another. You know, sometimes people say, well, you know, I'm just not being fed. As if the the sole purpose you come to church is to find something new that you've never heard before. Let me help you out. Why don't you love somebody new that you've never loved before? 
And in doing so, getting to know people, getting connected to people, why do we do life groups? So that you're not a stranger sitting out among 500 people on Sunday morning. You're not a stranger. So that people can get to know you. Why do we have marriage class? Why do we have celebrate recovery? Why do we have these other youth ministries, other ministries? So people can connect. And here's what happens when you start talking to people and you realize, you know, if, if I get together with guys, uh, I'll start talking about a number of things. You know, like I get together with, with Uncle Brent, my wonderful brother-in-law, and we'll talk about football. We'll talk about food. We'll talk, all guys, by the way, talk about food. That's just a given, all right? Some guys get together, they talk about mechanical things. Not this guy. I'd be over my head. I'll just, I'll just smile and... All right, that, don't go there with me, all right? Don't expose my nakedness. I'm, I'm, that's not a strong part of me. But my point is, if I spend time with him, we start talking, and in the midst of our relationship about normal stuff, I guarantee you somewhere along the way, we're going to find out what we're struggling with, where we're hurt, where we need help, where there's a need. And listen, when you know that about somebody, because you're meeting together, you can be connected in a way that gives life and gives hope and encourages people. And I guarantee you, people that are acting in that way are never, are never bored. They're not dry. They're not, they're not um, oh, my walk with God is so boring. No, because getting connected with need and with people and loving people and doing stuff to help people is exciting. Anybody know what I'm talking about? So if you're going to finish strong, you have to develop several values you have to have some convictions that you hold on tightly to. You have to have some people you hold on tightly to. And you've got to start getting involved in people's lives to love people and encourage people. And I guarantee you, if you live that way, you will have a firm grip on hope. Now, let me quickly go on to the next section here, because this is a warning. The writer of Hebrews is saying, in view of Jesus Christ's coming, we have a warning here that is sober, and I, and I, I want to just touch on it. We're not going to go deeply here, but I want you to feel this, okay? Because I'm talking about faith, and I'm telling you that it's important. But listen to this in verse 26. He writes, dear friends. I mean, you know, this is like someone that loves somebody else. He's talking here uh, as a tender father. Dear friends. This is some tender language here, but he's sharing something that's very important and very sober, if we deliberately continue to sin, that is, as a lifestyle, after we receive the knowledge of the truth, there is no longer any sacrifice that will cover these sins. There is only the terrible expectation of God's judgment and the raging fire that will consume his enemies. For anyone who refused to obey the law of Moses was put to death without mercy on the testimony of two or three witnesses. Look at verse 29. Just think how much worse the punishment will be for those who have trampled on the Son of God and have treated the blood of the covenant which made us holy as if it were common and unholy and have insulted and disdained the Holy Spirit who brings God's mercy to us. For we know the one who said, I will take revenge, I will pay them back. He also said the Lord will judge his own people. And look at verse 31. It is a terrible thing as an unsaved person, as a rebellious person. It is a terrible thing to fall into the hands of the living God. Now this is a sobering passage of scripture. Is that in your Bible? Did I read the Bible? I mean, no, we can't gloss that over. That's in the Bible. And it comes right as, as 
the writer is challenging us to live confidently and to have access into God's presence. How many know that access was costly? It was the blood of Jesus Christ. It's precious. And so the writer is saying this, you know what? Don't treat your salvation, don't neglect so great a salvation as that you don't treat it with the utmost care and treat it valuably. Now this morning, right in the midst of this message, God gave me an illustration right on my own hand. I love how he does this. This was not even in the notes. But some of you recognize that on my pinky finger here, I have a ring. That ring was a precious gift. My mother gave me that ring just a couple days after my father passed. I'm not a big jewelry guy, but this is precious. And I don't wear this and treat it as just a regular ring. Uh, I treat it as precious, which means I have a routine that I go through. I'm going to tell you my routine. On Sunday morning, I put this ring on. And when I put this ring on, it reminds me of a lot of things. It reminds me of my calling. It reminds me of my heritage. It reminds me of a great legacy. It reminds me of an amazing example. It reminds me of an amazing father and grandfather. It reminds me of a man who stood for holiness and finished well. It reminds me of somebody who loved his wife well. When I put the ring on, I pause. Because it's not just gold and it's not just a diamond. It's more valuable than that. Even though gold is precious and a diamond is worth something, it's much more valuable than that. And when I take the ring off, which I do on Sundays, at some point during Sunday, I will walk in the room and I have a little, um, a little uh, jewelry container that I purchased for my wife from the Taj Mahal. How many of you know the Taj Mahal is one of the seven wonders of the world? This is not just a normal little jewelry case. This represents a couple of things. Number one, my great love for my wife. And number two, the small amount of money that I had to actually purchase it. Um, <laughs> but it's precious. And I will take this ring off, and I will put it inside that container. It's the only thing in that container. It goes in that container. I know where it is, because here's why. I never want to misplace this ring. Not because of its earthly value, but because of what it represents. Now, here's all that the Lord's saying. In light of everything that Jesus Christ did for us, why would we deliberately keep trampling Christ's sacrifice in his blood through our deliberate, sinful lifestyle? Now, some people have freaked out about this verse, like, Pastor, have I committed the unforgivable sin? And let me just say this. There should be a fear of God in our hearts. Why, why in the world are we celebrating Christmas? We're buying gifts, and we're putting up lights and decorating trees, and we're going to people's homes, and we're eating food, and we're, we're giving hugs and telling people how much we love them and expressing it through the giving of gifts. Why are we doing all this? Let's, let's rewind the tape. Well, we're doing this because this is when we celebrate Jesus' birth. Okay, good answer. But why, what is the significance of the birth of the Son of God? Let me tell you the significance. God gave what was most precious to him to redeem a bride of people who were far from him, and to save us from the wrath of God. How I many of you know you can't celebrate Christmas without talking about the wrath of God? And if all you talk about is the love of God and the grace of God, but you never deal with the cause for which God sent his son, listen to me, you take a precious ring and you put on a plastic Minnie Mouse ring that you can buy for a quarter at the local grocery store. 
Christmas is not about the plastic mini mouse ring. It's about the great cost that God spared, did not spare in the sinning of his son and the shedding of his blood. And listen to me, when we partake of the Lord's emblems together, communion, his blood and his, his, his broken body, the Bible says don't treat these things with disdain. Don't trample on what you're holding in your hand. I had somebody come up to me one time, they were saying, you know, Pastor, I'm, you know, I, I don't even think I'm saved, I don't even think I'm a Christian. I said, what are you talking about? This young, young man was in our leadership training program, and, uh, and he said, well, you know, I fell back into sin this week, and can I just share and pop everybody's bubble? Guess what? We're going to need the blood of Jesus and the forgiveness of Jesus to the very end. So I'm not preaching here sinless perfection, all right? We're going to need the blood of Jesus and the mercy of God to the very end. But this young man said, I feel like I've just sinned and I, I've lost my salvation. And I said, well, what, what's the problem? He goes, well, I'm struggling with this sin. And I said, you're what? And he goes, I'm struggling with this sin. And I said, say it again. I'm struggling. I said, stop. I said, you're what? And he goes, I'm struggling. I said, exactly. So stop worrying about the fact that you lost your salvation because sinners don't struggle with sin. They wallow in sin. Sinners love sin. They love it by nature. How do you know that you're truly born again? When you sin, you grieve the Holy Spirit. And listen, you don't want to grieve the Holy Spirit. And so you change and you repent and you ask God to help you. That's a sign that you're born again. But this verse says people deliberately trample, trample underfoot that which is precious. And that is no way to demonstrate that you're truly converted by trampling what Jesus did on the cross and taking his blood which was so precious and treating it as something that's not valuable at all. So the writer here is warning us that yes, you've received access. Yes, look what God's done for you. Yes, you're called to move in faith. Yes, you're a son of God. Yes, God is for you. Now here's the point. Act like it. I would not take this ring and hand it to a two-year-old and say, this is very precious, but I'm going to give it to you as a sign of my love. You know why? There would be zero appreciation and understanding of the valuable nature of the gift that I just gave that child. God has given us an amazing gift. It's the gift of his son. Let's treasure the gift. Let's love him with all of our hearts. Let's live for him. Let's honor him with our lives. Let's make sure we know and he knows how valuable that gift is to us. Now look what he tells us here. I'm going to do two other little passages quickly, and then we're going to pray. Look with me in verse 32. Here's what the writer says in light of, of, of not trampling the Son of God, not, not treating our, our salvation lightly, but treating it with respect and the reverence that it deserves. Look what he says. Think back. Everybody say, think back. Think back on those early days when you first learned about Christ. Remember how you remained faithful, even though it meant terrible suffering. Let me pause right here. We've received this amazing blessing of God, healing, forgiveness of our sins, freedom. God is for us, not against us. Can I get any amens? But we got to get rid of this ridiculous notion that when you bowed your knee to Jesus Christ, somehow it meant you were never going to go through hardships or suffering or pain or discomfort. That is a bold-faced lie. In fact, sometimes people think, man, when I do something good for God, then I'm expecting a great blessing from God. Sometimes you were exposed to public ridicule and you were beaten. And sometimes when you helped other people that were suffering with the same things, look what happened to those guys. Next slide.
There we go. Sometimes you're exposed. Next slide. There we go. You suffered along with those who were thrown in jail, and when all that you owned was taken from you, you accepted it with joy because you knew there were better things waiting for you that will last forever. Can we just let this sink in? Everything that you owned was stolen from you, and you responded with bitterness. You shook your fist at God. No, that's not what it says. You responded with what? What is the deal with these people that we read about in the Bible? Everything that they went through. Sometimes when, say, say David was under attack or Desmond was under attack, and I came alongside and helped you out, and knowing that as soon as I help you out, I'm now the target because now they know I'm, one of, I'm with you. But guess what? They didn't care. They helped other people out, and they said, I'm, gonna, I'm identifying with you. Paul said, some of you guys identify with me in prison, even knowing that by doing so, you were exposing yourself that you're a follower of Jesus too. I mean, all over the world, people are, are going through right like that. And here's what I want to tell you. Stop measuring God's favor on your life by how easy your life is. The ease of your life has nothing to do with whether God loves you and whether God is for you. In fact, can I just share something else? Sometimes the easier your life is, the more irrelevant your life is. I see Christians, they get shaken all the time. What's, What's the matter? This happened. I got this happened. This broke down. Are you kidding me? Come on. How many of you have ever had an appliance break down? Multiple appliances. Let, let, let me comfort you. So what? Oh, God. Oh, God. That's why we have Hebrews 10. That's why we have Hebrews 10. Have you been openly beaten this week for Jesus? How many? Okay. Publicly shamed. All of your assets stolen this week by the enemy. Okay, good. I think we're doing pretty well. Anybody have a flat tire? Okay, kind of it pales in embarrassment. Yeah, there's one over there. But how many of you know, I'm not, I'm not minimizing flat tires, but how many of you know, compared to public beating and having all of your assets stolen, it's kind of lower on the scale. So let me give you some pastoral encouragement. Suck it up. Okay, enough of my pastoral gifting coming out. No, I did that facetiously, but not. How many of you know we just got to change our perspective? And here's what we got to do. We got to grow up. You're, our little kids are the ones that freak out about stuff like that. <laughs> stop it! We got to stop acting like that in the church. And we need, listen, we need some swag from some people who say, hey, I get it. Let me come over and help you with that. Hey, you know what? Let's pray about that. You know what? Hey, God's faithful. You're going to come through this. That's what we need. We need strength and stability that comes from walking with God. And then we need perspective. They knew that there were better things that were waiting for them that are going to last forever. And so look what, this, this is where I'm getting, all right? And don't worry because you're like, Pastor, you took this long to get there. I'm going to be done, all right? Just trust me. Look at verse 35. So don't throw away this confident trust in the Lord. Remember the great reward that it brings you. 
patient endurance is what you need now so you will continue to do God's will. And then you will receive all that God has promised. Now listen to me. Sometimes, you know, the writer here is talking to a bunch of people who have been physically abused, emotionally abused, and they've been through hell. And how many of you know it's just normal when you've been through situations like this to be physically weary and spiritually weary and emotionally weary? Anybody ever been there? In fact, some of you might be here this morning. And, and my goofing around about sucking it up, I'm not talking to you. You need encouragement, and you need help, and you need the body of Christ, and you need the Word of God, and you need people to rally around, around you. But here's what happens when we're going through physical and emotional exhaustion. The devil starts trash-talking in our head. And tell me if this isn't true for you. It's true for me, I know. Hey, does it matter? You know, does your stand for Christ, does it matter? Does your obedience matter? Does your faithfulness and giving to God, does it really matter? You know, I hear all that talk about sowing, but, you know, my harvest hasn't come in yet. Does the word of God really matter? Are the promises of God really true? You know, does anybody see? Does anybody appreciate me? Does anybody care? Anybody ever been there? When does the devil do all that? When, when, when you're down and when you're in the midst of a battle, and notice what he's trying to do. He's trying to get you to take that which is precious and throw it away. I've seen people do this. In fact, there were people that started off the year 2018 with a great passion and fire for God. They had holy swag. And let me just tell you, and some of you know these people, where are they now? I know people that started off in leadership situations, strong people, word people, faith people, and now they're not even following God. What happened? What happened to the swag? At some point, when stuff hit them, instead of processing it as a son or as a daughter and believing that God was trying to establish something in them and teach them something, they quit and grabbed their, their faith towel, their confidence towel, and they threw it aside and treated it as something that's not precious or valuable. That's why in this passage, the, he's saying, remember back to the early days, you were willing to do anything for Jesus. Your love for God was so big. Your passion for God was so strong. You were willing to sacrifice it all. Remember when they took your house and all your belongings, and you stood up and you said, hey, count it all joy. I'm going to keep following Jesus. Remember those days, because right now you're under attack. Right now, some of you are believing God for breakthrough, but it hasn't happened yet. Some of you just went through a serious disappointment in your life and the devil's going take that confidence towel and chuck it in it doesn't matter it's not worth it and the holy spirit in this passage right here says this don't you dare throw it away this confident trust in god remember the great reward that it brings you God sees, God remembers, God rewards, God restores. In fact, this, this word in the Greek is an amazing word. I think in the King James Version it says recompense of reward, right? Don't cast away your faith. There's great recompense of reward or confidence. What does that mean? How many of you have ever been on a business trip and maybe you didn't have business money or business card and you picked up some of the expenses of doing business on your own account or on your own card? What happens when you come back to the office? You fill out an expense report, right? You turn in the expense report. What happens uh, when you turn in that expense report? Your company reimburses you for all the personal loss or personal investment because you were on company time. Does it make sense? 
this verse in the Greek is an amazing verse because this is what the word means. It means when you're going through kingdom life in a fallen world and you're taking hits and you're taking out your kingdom card and you're putting it on your account and you're taking a hit and you're loving and you're giving and you're serving and you're going through that difficult time, God says, don't you dare even begin to think that I am not going to fully repay you and reward you for every inconvenience, hardship that you have gone through. Are you kidding me? If an ungodly boss will reimburse you, how much more, God says, will I repay you for all that you have suffered on behalf of company account and company time and kingdom business? Don't cast away your confidence. There is great reward in God. Don't throw in the towel. In fact, this word in the Greek too, this, this, uh, this making a profession, this, this uh, uh, confidence, it is a word that means you verbally communicate, you speak what you know to be true. In other words, you're talking out loud. There's something you're declaring with your mouth. Some of you that have gone through hardship recently, when you go through that hardship, and I've experienced this in my own life with different situations, it's not enough just to treasure something in your heart like Mary did. There are times when you need to open your mouth and declare out loud so you can hear it. That you know what? I know I've been defrauded here, but God is a God who pays me back all my expenses on company time. And as you're living for the kingdom and you're loving for the kingdom and you're serving and you're honoring, you're going to take some hits along the way. When the hit comes, that's when you open your mouth. In fact, this, this same word was used when the early church, they were persecuted, thrown in prison for loving Jesus, and it says that they boldly and confidently declared who Jesus was. This is a, listen to me, this is a boldness, this is a boldness that irritates the devil. It, imagine they beat you and threw you in prison, and your trash talk, your, your boasting in God is still coming off of your lips while the blood is flowing off of the wounds you've received and while the tears are coming down because of the pain you're going through, but your mouth is still operating. And your mouth is important because your mouth, out of the abundance of the heart, the mouth speaks. I'm not talking about some mechanical thing. I'm just saying when you're walking with God and you're going through situations like these people went through, he says, remember what you went through. And then don't you cast away your confidence. You begin to confess to God. Thank him for the promises. You know, when we went through a season as a church family, when the wind was not in our, at our backs, it was in our faces, and we're... When we were not growing and reaching more people, we were shrinking. And when, we, when it seemed like all the promises of God were caving in and nothing was happening, that's when I had to start talking louder. Because I knew nothing had changed about who we were, what we stood for, who God was, His faithfulness. It wasn't like we were doing bad things or, or whatever. It was like, at some point, you just go, you know what? My conscience is clean before God. I'm covered by the blood of Jesus. My life belongs to Him. God, I'm coming boldly into your presence, and I'm going to start talking out loud. And you start to declare the truth about who you are and your situation. You know, the Bible says about Sarah in the Bible, uh, you know, here she's promised a child, and she's in her 90s. You know what? But she kept talking. 
And she kept believing. And Abraham kept talking. And they kept going back to their promise. And at some point, you know what? Even though the Bible says they may have wavered a little bit along the way, God was bringing them and he was creating in them and through them mother and father of faith. You know what I'm saying? They had to go through the unbelievably impossible to experience the supernatural provision of God. I'm just telling you, God's not done with you. God's not through with you. God's, God's, God might be delaying longer than you want, but by golly, quit tossing your towel down. Pick it up. Quit letting go of the rope of hope. Hold on to it. Fight for your hope. And when you find that your head's down and, you're, and you feel like you've lost confidence in God and you feel despair creeping in, can I share with you? I'm getting ready to preach this message this morning on being full of life and confidence in God and emotionally I'm feeling discouragement trying to come all over me. And let me just tell you, where was that coming from? Is my life a mess? Am I dealing with all kinds of trauma right now? No, I'm not. And then I realized I got a stinking fight through my own emotional victory to be able to preach confidently the truth about your emotional victory. And sometimes we have to do this. But listen to me. This is why we need each other. I could go around, and I know different situations that some of you are going through. Bless your heart. Elaine, I'm going to pick on you. My dear sister's been through four surgeries on her knee. Four surgeries. How old are you? 17 years old, and it's been discouraging, and it's been hard, and there's times when she's like, what God, what is going on? Why is this happening? Have you had those feelings? You know, let me tell you what she needs when you're, when you're 17 and you're going through that situation. You know what you need? You need people around you to love you. Yeah. You need people around you to, in tangible ways, encourage you. You know, I remember I had to go in for an MRI on my head. And uh, we wanted to make sure there was brain matter in my head. <laughs> they found a small, small little peanut size, but it's working as best as it can. But they didn't know I had, I had headaches. They didn't know what was going on. They wanted to see if there was a tumor or something like that. On that particular morning, one of my brothers in Christ showed up early in the morning in the waiting room where I was going in for the, for the procedure. And he had a card. I still remember. He had a candy bar. A card and a candy bar. And I looked at him, I said, what are you doing here? And he said, I'm just here to encourage you, to let you know I love you, to give you this card of encouragement, give you this candy bar, and, uh, and to pray with you. Can I just tell you something? If you want to make a lasting impact on people's lives, can you make sure that you obey what this word said to us this morning, and that you come to church and that you be a part of a small group, and that you share your heart with people so they can get to know you, and when they're hurting, be the first one in line to bless them and to let them know that you love them, because I can think back over the course of my life at my lowest moments. You know who I remember? I remember the people who touched my heart at my lowest moment. Those are the people I remember. And you know what I determined? I wanted to be one of those people so when my dear buddy, Pastor Sam Abbott, and pastors here in the community, went in for a heart issue, I made sure I found out when his appointment was. I made sure I found out where his appointment was. And I made sure I got there early. And I made sure I had a card. And I had a candy bar. And I made sure that I let him know when he came in and I surprised him and he said, what are you doing here? I was able to tell him because somebody else had done the same thing for me when I was in my weak time. 
You know, and when you get focused on helping people hold on, you find that your grip gets a lot stronger. And in the progress, you find out this, that someday when you've got one hand on the rope and your other hand slipped off and it's all, life seems to be slipping away, that's not the time that you'd say, you know what, we should have become part of a life group at Livingstone's Church because it's too late at that time. You know, I'm just going to say this because I can. I believe with all my heart that what happens right now on the first day of the week on Sunday morning is the most important time in all of our weeks, period. We're living in a culture that doesn't care about church, doesn't care about this, doesn't care about relationships. That's why our fabric of our culture is falling apart. We're seeing more suicides. We're seeing more, more people that are just disconnected, doing crazy things. It, it's because we're not connected. We don't have people in our lives. When, hope, when, when, when your hand's slipping off of hope, you need to know that there's a bunch of people around you that are there to love on you and encourage you and pray with you and, and speak truth to you and encourage your heart and tell you, it's, you know what, hold on, don't cast away your confidence. There is some great reward coming. You need the body of Christ. I know people are saying, well, people just don't come to church as they used to. You know, and we're, I'm reading all this stuff about how pastors just need to get used to it. We need to change our approach and blah, 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 blah. I'm not changing my approach. Because, uh, amen. I think you all are precious. I think Jesus is precious. I think the fact that he shed his blood to purchase a church, a bride, a family, means that just like this ring is precious, it means this is precious. So I readjust my perspective to say this. You matter. What goes on here matters. God matters. His agenda is more important than anything. And I'm going to reorient my life around the priorities of the Lord, not around the culture. I'm not going to treat that which is precious as, it's, as if it were not precious. You're precious. Relationships are precious. I can look out here. I could walk around this room and say something about most of you in this room that I've had the pleasure of knowing. And it would be something personal and something I appreciate about you. You know why? We rub shoulders together. We love each other. We care for each other. You know what? That's precious. It's like gold. That's why I tell you I'm one of the richest men on the planet. You know why? I got a great family and a great body of Christ and people that are global, a global family. It's awesome. So listen to me. Here's the word. Don't you dare quit. And don't you dare stop believing God right where you are right now. And don't you throw in the towel. And if you're feeling like you're upset and you want to throw in the towel and what's going on, then make sure you stay connected because there's a group of people that are going to come around you and say, hey, come on, how can we help you? We're going to get through this. This is not going to be, you're going to walk through the valley of the shadow of death, but we're coming out on the other side. And you'll find that people that love you and know you can be there for you and they can strengthen your grip. So there's a full reward coming. Christ is coming. Let me end with this. In just a little while, in just a little while, the coming one will come and not delay. Jesus Christ. And my righteous ones, he says, will live by faith. I'm not going to take any pleasure, the Lord says, in anybody who turns away. But we are not like those who turn away from God to their own destruction. We are the faithful ones whose souls will be saved. What he said earlier is what you need is this. You need patient endurance so that you will continue to do God's will, and then you will receive all that God has promised. How do you get endurance? Let me tell you. 
How do you learn endurance? You can only learn endurance when you come to the point where you want to quit. How many of you have ever wanted to quit? Be honest with me. Then the reason you wanted to quit was not so that you would fail. It was so that you would learn to patiently endure so that you might receive the promise that you've been holding on to. So check this out. At the moment when you're feeling like you're going to give up, that God's not going to answer whatever that situation is, if you could see just beyond that is a fulfillment of a promise that you've been holding on to. Back to my little sweetheart here. So what do we say to a young lady? Four surgeries. Here's what I say. You know what? God is doing something in you that is amazing to develop patience and endurance. He's teaching you at an early age. You're having an opportunity to access his presence because he loves you. And there's going to be something about who he is and his love for you that you're going to encounter and experience through the valley that you're in now that's going to set you up for the unique assignment and call that God has on your life. He has not forgotten you. It's been incredibly hard and painful. But there's healing and there's restoration and there's joy in the midst of this. And the Lord wants you to know that he's right with you in the midst of all these challenges. And we're right with you. And we want to encourage you because someday you're going to be moving on that leg in freedom. And uh, So while you say we pray for this precious one, and then you all are free to love on each other and go, all right? If you need any prayer, come on up, but we're going to pray. Father, in the name of Jesus, Lord, we don't have to understand why we have to go on certain journeys because you know why. We just need to trust you. And Lord, in the midst of all the pain and the disappointment in this journey, it's not only been painful, but Lord, it's been, it's been the ups and the downs and the hope deferred. And Lord, I know that her hand has been wanting to slip off that rope of hope let me have your hand, sweetie. Father, we just thank you that you're, when our hands are slipping, your hands don't ever slip off of us. And Lord, I thank you that there, there's an amazing work that you're doing, not only in ultimately healing her, but Lord, there's an amazing work that you're doing in her heart. And I pray, Lord, that in the pain and in the, 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 the overwhelmness of the moment, that she would hear your voice and that she would know of your love, and that she would go deep in this season. Lord, I thank you for the calling on her life. I thank you for the treasure that's going to come out of her heart. And I thank you, Lord, that this is not meaningless, what she's going through. Lord, that there's, there's opportunities down the road where she's going to be able to take what she's walked through, and she's going to be able to give hope and life to other people. So, Lord, we pray for this need. We ask you to heal it in the name of Jesus. We pray, Lord, that this fourth one would be the final one, and that, Lord, that this joint would be completely restored uh, and healed in Jesus' name, and, Lord, that it would be uh, just delivered completely, and, uh, and that she would be able to run and move and do the things you've called her to do with great grace and great joy. So we just speak over you. Be encouraged. You keep fighting. You keep standing with the Lord. God, renew her confidence in you. And Lord, I just pray, again, that there'd be something amazing that you're going to speak to her heart in the midst of this. So we love you, Lord. For everybody in this room that's struggling right now, Lord, we thank you that the anchor of hope is solid and secure. We're not going to lose it. Lord, we're not going to fall off the ship. We're not going to quit. Lord, thanks for the brothers and sisters around us who are here to support us. Now, I say to you in the name of Jesus, we're going to be like those who stand in faith and don't shrink back. 
We're going to be the faithful ones who finish strong. We're going to be the faithful ones that receive the great reward. And we're going to move on and we're going to strengthen the faith of others who are weak. That's who we are as living stones. That's what God's called us to do. And by the sake of God's glory, for the, for the sake of his glory and for the strength that he gives us to do it, we're going to do it, Lord, and we're not going to quit. So in Jesus' name, I say, you know what? Let's walk with holy swagger and confidence in God until the very end. And let's make sure we receive the fullness of the reward that God has for us. In Jesus' name, and all God's people said, amen. Come on, let's give the Lord a hand. Amen.